My guest today is evangelist Doris Sanders Hill. She hails from Chicago, but she loves Indianapolis and her husband, Pastor Edward, uh, do a great work in Chicago and ministering and touching lives in great ways. Welcome, Evangelist Hill. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's just a blessing and an honor to be here today, and we thank you so much, Pastor, for your invitation. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. My first question I ask of all my guests it is this. In this time and season for your life and ministry, what is your main focus area? Well, I'll tell you, uh, and it's, it's funny that you said in this season of my life, because uh, my ministry has changed over the years. I've been saved almost 30 plus years, 33, 34 now, and I've been in ministry for almost that long. And over the years it has changed. I've done a lot of things evangelistically, preaching, running revivals. But in this season of my life, my focus is really women, family, um, uh, seeing impactful change individually and personally. And uh, that's kind of where I am in this season, uh, just uh, doing real uh, hands-on ministry that is impactful and that is encouraging the families and women in general. We know Jesus held great meetings with thousands of people and multitudes in attendance. We also held small meetings with disciples and, and uh, individual meetings with helping people. Talk to us about the kind of meetings that you're holding in this season of your life. You know, we can get caught up doing what we do and, and just having a gift and a talent for event planning and functions and enjoying travel and all of that. We can kind of get, you know, comfortable in that place. But I think it, there is a time where we have to just pause and reflect and sometimes pull back and say, God, what would you have me to do on a personal level? You know, there's so much hype nowadays about, um, you know, the, the ministry in general. Everybody wants to be on the platform, on the circuit. But the main question we have to ask ourselves is, are we really changing lives? And while I was running uh, conferences, you know, several of them um, over the last several years, we've been in Chicago for about six years, and I think we've had probably three conferences there. But God began to just speak to my heart and say, I want you to begin focusing on smaller groups, on um, outreach, on um, mothers. I do some work there in Chicago with the um, uh Pregnancy Crisis Center, and just really um, trying to have a personal impact on the lives of women and families in general. So that's kind of where I've been. Well, as I was sharing with you, I had an opportunity um, last year to be on the Food Network. I was on a program called Clash of the Grandmas. Now, it was actually my bishop that kind of uh, began redirecting me. Uh, as far as ministry, because I was just excited about all the things I was doing uh, in different arenas. And he, he, he looked at me and he said, Dora, Dora, he said, you can't chase two rabbits. He said, you've got to decide, you've got to focus. He said, what I want you to do, I want you to pray and I want you to ask God, what is it, God, that you would have me to do? And I knew that year I was going to have to cancel the conference. I didn't know what God wanted me to do, but I knew I was going to have to cancel the conference. So I did cancel the conference, and I prayed, and about a month and a half later, I get a call from the Food Network. Well, I had a wonderful opportunity to participate in that program, but it also gave me a platform 
It gave me an opportunity for greater exposure. And I used that opportunity to create an initiative called the Dinner Table Initiative. And that is a call of families back to the dinner table, uh, back to that place of tradition where uh, my parents, my grandparents, you know, uh, that was a place where families gathered on Sunday, uh, Friday nights for fish fries, and we got received a download of information, culture, history, uh, the things that were important were taught at the dinner table. So uh, I launched that initiative this year. Uh, that's one of the things that I'm doing currently. In the past, of course, I've done the conferences, but right now, uh, the dinner table initiative is something that is really uh, causing us to call our families back to the table, back to a place of what uh, I think in the scripture is considered a sacred place. Uh, Jesus, he did a lot of activity around that dinner table. A lot of ministry took place at the dinner table. The Bible says that he reclined and he taught them. So that's what uh, God telling me to do in this season. Family dinner is so very important and yet sometimes it's lost uh, on us. It's one of those meetings that we should have, you know, family time and dinner time. But talk to us about the concept you have, powerful concept of family dinner, how God wants to work at the family table. Well, you know, over the years I've been very active in um, outreach for the Jewish community. I've had an opportunity to be an outreach fellow for APAC and also a consultant for the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. It's given me an opportunity to really have an understanding about what they call the Shabbat meal or that meal that they have every Friday, the Sabbath, on the Sabbath. And it is a time where the father and the families, children and grandchildren come together and a blessing is conferred on the family. I always knew at some point I was going to try to incorporate that tradition into my ministry because I saw it as being something very powerful and something that uh, kind of solidifies that entire community. I remember as a child growing up, uh, we always had Sunday dinner. My dad was a pastor and not only did our family come together, but we also uh, entertained the elderly. Uh, we brought uh, people in our home who maybe didn't have family. So there was a great sense of community. And I think uh, in this day and time, uh, with our schedules being as difficult as they are, you know, everybody wants to uh, gather for a good meal, especially if grandmama or mama is preparing it. And I think it's a great opportunity for churches um, to utilize uh, the evangelistic power that we have right within our own families. Uh, Ray Ray, Pookie, Lil John may not come to church on Sunday, but if he finds out Big Mama's cooking the spread, you know, he'll come. And it's an opportunity to hear his thoughts, to uh, share um, history and family, as well as to encourage them in the things of God. And it comes from such um, a, a natural place. Uh, their hearts and their minds are open to receive ministry. So I think it's a very, very powerful tool that we can utilize uh, as an as a, uh, African-American community, but also as a Christian community to gather our families back together to share our faith, to share legacy, and to encourage them in a setting that I think they'll be open to receive it. What other messages has God given you to share with the body of Christ and the larger community in this time and season? Well, you know, uh, Pastor, one of the things that's been in my heart for many, many years 
Uh, I wrote about it uh, reluctantly. And uh, God has just uh, began to uh, mature this message, even in the body of Christ. But about 15 years ago, God gave me a message concerning our battles and our struggles. And at some point, the body of Christ, as believers, we have to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have to be confident in his uh, ability to not only give us victory, but to fight for us. And about 15 years ago, I came out with a message called Spiritual Warfare, The Myth Exposed. And I tell you, I was drug into it, kicking and screaming because all I was hearing was battle and war and fight and all the songs were about warfare. But God was birthing in me a, a message of victory and, and certainty in what he had already accomplished. And I think that we're there now. I think we have warred and, and fought and struggled until the place of weariness. And I think God is saying to the believer now, there's so much going on in the earth. Uh, I need you now confident in who I am and my ability and to make an exchange so that our focus is not so much in warfare, but in worship. Right now we're showing on the screen uh, the cover from your book, Spiritual Warfare, the Myth Exposed. That's a very interesting title. Talk to us about spiritual warfare and what is the myth that is being exposed? Well, I think, um, thank you so much, Pastor, for that question. I think uh, it's going to give us a different perspective. I always say it's, it's, it's nothing new. We're just hearing it again for the first time. These, this is the message that uh, we started with as we received salvation. We started uh, in accepting the victory that Christ accomplished on our behalf. But the challenges of life and the day-to-day -day cares kind of begin to poke holes in that certainty. So we became more uh, involved in bringing about the victory as opposed to standing confidently in that victory. And so God, uh, when, the, when the message came out, there were three questions that, that God uh, asked. He said, if you're still battling and warring, what did my death accomplish? And the second question was, if you could defeat the devil, then why did I send my son to die? And then the third question, which again kind of brings the family and home and all of that into perspective, he said, would you as a natural parent allow your child to be beat up and, and, and just overwhelmed every day and not give your very life to protect them? And I began to really think that even as a natural mom, I'm a woman and mother, but I would fight a grizzly bear to protect my children. And I think we can have that same confidence in our God. Um, the, the challenges may be tough. Sometimes the situation may look overwhelming, but the strength we have is in knowing that God is there with us and he is bringing us through and he is perfecting. He, he's concerned about those things that are important to us. And as we rest, so many things happen in that rest. Our, our mind uh, comes into a place of focus. Our body comes into a place of healing. Uh, that peace is, doesn't just provide an absence of war. It also brings a wholeness, which also creates wellness. Our blood pressure goes down. <laughs> we have more discipline in our eating and in our outlook. And so as the world begins to do what the Bible says it's going to do, and that is grow darker and darker, 
uh, the believer has a different outlook. We have a place of confidence and certainty in our God. And so that's the message of the book. And I think it's timely. I think it's timely for this season. I agree with the concept that sometimes we lose sight that the victory has been won. We're not fighting for victory. We are claiming victory. And we're enforcing victory even. Oh, my. I'll tell you what that does. That gives you a posture of dominion. I have a, I have a lot of catchphrases. God just drops them in my spirit like that. But it, I always say, where I stand, I command. So that I have an understanding that there's nothing that's going to come into my life that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and myself, if we operate in the principles, that we won't have dominion over. And I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to raise the body of Christ. He's trying to bring us up above the cares of this life. And yes, we've got to pray, we've got to fast, we've got to declare his word, and we've got to be unshakable in our faith. And, and that's the key. Faith is the, the victory that overcomes the world. And I think, uh, but when, when, when the enemy uh, starts with all of his antics and all the things that are taking place, not only in our homes, but in our communities, uh, it's easy for us to get drawn in and to be anxious. But then we hear the word of the Lord saying, um, I'm with you. Uh, I will go before you. I will fight for you. I will give you victory. And it gives us a confidence, having therefore this confidence, he that has begun a good work in us, he will perform it to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that's, that's a confidence that can't be denied. And I think that's the kind of swag that he's trying to bring back to the, to the body of Christ in this season. You are an evangelist, but let me ask you, how can we encourage all the body of Christ to become more active in evangelism? Well, and you know, for me, I think my, my focus on evangelism has evolved over the years. Um, there's a call to evangelism, and I think it's a call to every believer in our home, in, in our homes, in our community. I don't think we should ever um, not be aware of an opportunity to impact life. It may be in the grocery store, it may be in the marketplace, always listening and waiting for an opportunity to encourage, to edify, and to point someone to Christ. Uh, more specifically with our children, as, um, as uh, we've shifted and Pastor Hill and I have become empty nesters, uh, our grandchildren now come and visit. And we have an opportunity to uh, talk to them in real practical terms about how our faith has impacted our lives and how their faith can help them in their school, in, uh, in their sports, in their um, academic and um, professional and business pursuits. I think we've failed to really walk this thing out and use what we know on a personal level to minister to those people that we have right in our lives every day. My goal is to make sure that I release a generation, my grandchildren and my children, that I release a generation whose faith is greater than mine. And I think uh, we can do that if we own this victory and if we share our faith on a real personal level whenever our children are in our presence, that we don't take those times for granted. It's certainly true that evangelism for us is more than an outreach every now and then. It's more than a task and a chore. It should be a labor of love. Yes, and that's so important. Um, one, of the, one of the greatest revelations 
that I've received over the 30 plus years that I've been saved. And that is the love of Jesus Christ for me personally. I know the impact that it made on my life. I know how it uh, healed low self-esteem. I know how it uh, brought me to a place of faith, that love uh, that is uh, faith that is activated by love. How do I know? How can I be sure? I always come back to that same place because God loves me. And I think that's a message that's sometimes underutilized in the body of Christ. Um, 16 years ago, we had a tragedy. My oldest daughter was murdered. And we had been in ministry. We, had, we were pastors at the time. And when you have that type of devastation, uh, how do you reconcile the, the protection of God, the truth of God's word with that type of event? That's when you have to dig in and reassure yourselves that all things are working together for your good, that God loves you, that he will not put any more on you than you can bear, and that truly the suffering that you're experiencing in this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. And I think um, for me, the love of Jesus Christ and really embracing that message uh, and receiving it as truth in my life has been a powerful force. And I think that's what we need to share. And when we do, um, people will seek God. They will want to know more about him. And that's a great opportunity to lead them to Christ. In getting to, to know more about you, I've learned of the tremendous victories God's brought into your life. You've overcome great challenges. God's given you a great witness and authenticity. Talk to us about how Christians and leaders can really be more impactful uh, through being more authentic and more relevant in today's, uh, in, in our times? I would say uh, to every believer, to every man of God, every woman of God, everyone who has a call on their life, that um, your call is very personal. And there are standards that have been uh, set in the world that you may have set as your own. But I often say that Elijah was just as anointed as he sat by the brook, as he was when he stood on Mount Carmel. There are going to be seasons and places and, and opportunities that God has designed uniquely for you. The key is to walk with God, to have a prayer life, to be sound in the word, and let God do what it is he wants to do. Uh, don't set any other agendas uh, other than to have a pure heart and to please God. And in doing so, um, he's, he, he promised that uh, he would bring increase to your life, that he would bless you, that he'd bless your children. And I think we just need to sometimes maybe reevaluate uh, what we call success. It's not always having a big congregation. It's not always driving fancy cars or having a television or a radio broadcast. Success is obeying and pleasing God. And in doing so, the blessings of heaven will be on your life. Let's change gears a little bit. On the screen, I'm showing a cover of a cookbook that you have written. I did not know until today that you were a chef. You've been an executive chef. You have a passion for nutrition. Uh, so talk to us about this book and, um, and, and about healthy eating. Well, I'm, again, I'm, all, I'm Mama Hill in this season. And, you know, I used to laugh because... Uh, at one time I was a young evangelist and one day I became Mama Hill. Everybody, Mother Hill, Mother Hill, and I kind of looked around to see who they were 
talking to, but I am Mama Hill in, in these seasons, and, and I think there are a lot of challenges that moms have and, and, and families in general as far as health and eating and our busy schedules. So Classic Home Cooking with Doris Sanders Hill is just a way to share uh, wonderful, uh, healthy, classic home recipes opportunities for families and children alike. The recipes aren't uh, difficult. They're very um, easily uh, constructed and prepared. And it's just uh, just a little bit of love that I'm sharing with, uh, with families and moms who have busy schedules these days. We're gonna put information on the screen. How can our viewers contact you and learn more about your work in ministry? I'm on, uh, I'm on Facebook, Doris Sanders Hill. I'm on Instagram, Doris Sanders Hill. Twitter, most of the social media um, sites, and just reach out to me. You can reach me at Evangelist, E-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-S-T, Dora, at MSN. And certainly, uh, I love an opportunity just to encourage and just to have a great opportunity to bless God. I want to thank you for this conversation. Uh, Dr. Hill has been tremendously inspirational to me. I'm sure our viewers have been inspired as well. Uh, if you want to, share with us now uh, with our viewers, closing comments and things on your heart you want to share with us. Uh, just to be encouraged in this season is the main thing because we are faced with a lot of challenges and it's easy to get drawn into it. I'm kind of a political science junkie so I love all the energy and hoopla that is surrounding our current um, election process but I will say that regardless of what takes place in any season. Uh, I'm like David, I once was young and now I'm old, but not really, but for the scripture, once was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And that's a confidence and that's an assurance that we have that no matter what takes place, God is always going to bless and protect his children. Well, my guest has been Evangelist Dora Sanders Hill. It's been a great honor to speak with her and to hold this conversation. I hope you were inspired and informed by what you've heard. Uh, it's so important for us to have firm foundations and, and God uses people to speak to our lives and to encourage and teach us. I trust you've enjoyed uh, our conversation today and you will share this link with others who can also watch it and be encouraged and blessed by it.